The Green Sun Show is brought to you by CEA Technology, a leader in building indoor growing systems that allow you to grow pesticide-free and conserve fertilizer, water, and energy to grow crops sustainably. Visit ceatechn.com to learn more. One or two? Do you see better with one, glasses, or two, LASIK surgery? I trust my eyes to the Northwest Indiana Eye and Laser Center located in Valparaiso, Indiana. The state-of-the-art office and surgery center is the best in the region, providing complete eye care, including exams, glasses, and eye surgery. To make an appointment, call 219-464-8223. That's 219-464-8223. Or visit their website, nwindianaeyeandlaser.com. Trust your eye care to the best. And we thank the Northwest Indiana Eye and Laser Center for their support. I'm Robert Colangelo, and this is Green Sense, where we bring you eco-innovations that are changing your world. Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer God Automotive, is back to talk about the challenges of charging your EV in the deep reeds. Tom, welcome back to Green Sense. Thanks for having me. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. The Chicagoland area and much of the Midwest was in the deep freeze for several days with wind chill temperatures exceeding minus 40 below in some areas, making a tough environment for people, but even worse for EVs. And Fox Business News reported that uh, desperate Tesla owners in and around Chicago were seen trying to charge their vehicles with no luck amid frigid temperatures that have gripped the Midwest. It was reported that EVs piled up at the charging stations, causing some owners to abandon their cars and take internal combustion engine-driven Ubers home. Tom, what are the facts? Is that true or sensationalized news? It is both. There, there definitely were EVs and Tesla specifically that were parked at charging stations. Uh, but, but what happened there is an interesting story. And it, it, what it seems like, and to the best of my knowledge, and I've been reading about this for hours now, the chargers did not fail. That's a very interesting component of the story. And one of the things that we need to realize when we talk about a Chicago deep freeze is that Teslas operate in northern Minnesota and in Canada and in Sweden, and they have not run into these problems. So it seems very much like what happened was, was particular to the cars, to the ownership experience, and to some mistakes made by the owners themselves. And it's an interesting confluence of things that happened to cause this backup at the stations those days. Um, one of the things that happened was it got very cold and a lot of Teslas had been parked outside. And this is what most people think happened. Teslas that were parked outside suffered serious degradation of battery capacity during that period of time, maybe a third of that capacity. So when owners got into those cars, they needed to charge right away. That created more demand for charging, especially at the stations in that area. Additionally, um, what was not happening and what Tesla owners don't normally need to do is to precondition their battery. And we don't talk enough about this. And this is a, a, a EV owner education uh, opportunity, but a battery will not charge below a certain temperature. We know this. And, and one of the ways to get around that is for the car to charge the battery itself, to bring it up to a certain temperature where it can accept a charge. This is where things get interesting. If the cars were parked outside already, we had a deep freeze, 
you need energy for the battery to literally to warm the battery so you can charge it. But a lot of these cars were so low on charge, they could not warm the batteries to a sufficient temperature to charge. So they could plug in, but nothing would happen. And, and, and that's really what happened here. A lot of cars simply could not charge because it was so cold, did not have the onboard energy to bring the battery up to temperature, and they were stuck until things got warmer. So did the media get it half right? Half right. It was definitely a cold-related issue. It's definitely an issue related to EVs, and it's something that we need to learn about. And it, it is, to some extent, um, a detriment, uh, you know, a detrimental situation for EV ownership. But on the other hand, and this is interesting, if you own a Tesla and you, and you register to use that charger in advance, the, the, the car will automatically pre precondition your battery on arrival so that when you get there, you're ready to charge. So a lot of people were out of desperation were going to chargers they weren't using didn't know that the car was automatically preconditioned for them, didn't know they had to do it themselves, and they got there unprepared. So we're going to chalk this one up to operator error? It's operator error, and it's, it's in some part, it's Tesla's fault, too, and I think every EV manufacturer for not educating consumers about preconditioning. I'm in the media, and I hear almost nothing about it. Well, you brought up an excellent point, and I've not heard anybody cover this. You know, Teslas are sold in many cold-weather climates, like you mentioned, Canada, and Sweden and uh, uh, Northern Europe. Why did this happen in Chicago? It happened here probably because, and one person called this the O'Hare factor. Um, one of the chargers that one of the charging stations that was affected was right there in Rosemont, right outside of O'Hare International Airport. And if your car was parked there for days, your battery would have been degrading slowly over the time where you parked. You lose about one percent of your charge every day uh, while the car is parked. And then if it got cold, you would have lost maybe another 20, 30% because of the extreme cold. You would have been desperate right away for a charge. So there was this additional demand at some of the chargers just because of their location. And why was Tesla so prevalent here and not all the other uh, electric car manufacturers? I think simply because of the mass of Teslas that are out there. Um, right now, two-thirds, maybe three-quarters of all the electric vehicles on the road in the U.S. are Teslas. So... They just would have been the most easy to identify. Um, has Tesla commented on this? They have not. And and that's interesting because they don't come off looking especially bad in this situation. There is an education issue there, but the chargers did not fail. And to some extent, the cars didn't fail. They just did not. They operated as you would expect them to do under the conditions. So there, there isn't really a, a mechanical issue here. Well, you know, that begs the question, is there a solution or a fix to avoid this from happening in the future? Yeah, it is pretty much driver education. You have to know that you can't let your, your battery get that low if you know a cold snap is coming. And I guess that that's a bit of, of work that you don't have to do with a gasoline-powered vehicle. It's just be aware of the weather as it's going to challenge your driving opportunities. You know, some say Tesla is a software company and they have incredible software. Can't they program something in the car that when the temperatures get this low that it warms up the battery? I suspect they will, actually. And, and again, they, it will do that. If you, if you program your car to look for a charging station, the car will automatically precondition the battery. But if you just drive up to one, the car didn't know that that's where you were headed. But even if it's sitting, uh, I would think that that could be a software fix where it preconditions the battery once the temperature gets so low. Oh, uh, but that would use up battery energy, unfortunately. Hmm. A little bit of a conundrum. It is. Uh, it is. You, and it takes time for people to adapt to new technology and understand the strengths and weaknesses. 
And I know in that cold weather, uh, I have an older internal combustion engine car. We leave it outside. And it had very much trouble starting. It had a crank a number of times, and I didn't think it was going to start in the deep freeze. So our solution is, uh, since we only have uh, a garage space for one car, we keep one car in the garage as a backup. So is one solution for owners of uh, EVs to consider them as special use vehicles, only good to drive shorter distances and in war warmer weather? Or are EVs really better suited for these temperate climates like California and Florida and, and uh, Arizona? Oh, they're absolutely better suited for temperate climates, but I don't think that precludes their use in places like Chicago. This is the first time we've seen this with a Tesla situation. Like, we haven't seen this before, but this is the first extremely cold winter we've had in two years or so, and there's a lot more Teslas on the road now. So, very interesting situation. And I think, too, that a lot of owners who are getting into Teslas in the last couple of years weren't fans. They were just regular consumers and probably a little less interested in, in getting involved in the ownership experience. They just wanted a regular car. So I'm sure this will be part of the uh, new owner introductory is to, to teeth, teach them about conditioning the battery. I hope so. Yeah. When it gets cold, it's an EV is just a little bit more work. Well, speaking of temperate climates, uh, I am really excited. I'm going out to California and I'm going to be test driving the new canoe. That's a uh, sort of a bulldog looking truck. And the Aptera, which is a very futuristic car that claims to get up to a thousand miles per charge because it has solar panels and it has a, a really low uh, 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 coefficient of uh, inertia there. And so I'm really excited about that. Any thoughts on those two cars? Yeah, they're very different companies for a couple of reasons. One, Aptera has been around for a very long time, I think 20 plus years, and they never quite get it right. And it's a shame because you want them to do it. There, there's so much genuine innovation there and so much just intellectual energy. You want them to get something on the road, a product that they can sell. Canoe is an EV startup, and they're making really great-looking products. And people should go look for pictures of the Canoe products, C-A-N-O-O. Really fun-looking trucks, and they're modular. And they're designed for a bunch of commercial applications. Love to see that company work. But they're brand new, so two entirely different approaches to go in EV. Well, I look forward to being on your show to talk about yep. my uh, test drive for both of these cars. Do you think this charging issue and uh, the, the uh, preconditioning of the battery is another nail in the coffin for EVs, or is it just a speed bump in the way to making them more reliable? Uh, the latter, I think. And this was a great learning opportunity. I think that, that, especially for Tesla, we have long regarded Tesla charging stations as extremely reliable, and that seems to still be the case. But the charging experience has been very friendly for Tesla owners, too. And we just learned that, yeah, even for Tesla, who pretty much gets this charging thing right, there are conditions where things can break bad on them. And I think owners got, not owners, I want to blame Tesla for this. They got a little complacent in educating their owners about how this works. And to your point, some software just updates, just reminding people that they need to do this, just something that pops up on the screen, would go a long way to preventing this in the future. But to sum it up, it really wasn't Tesla's problem. It was really owners maybe not understanding the nuances of their cars. Well, that's absolutely it. Yeah. And, and it's funny, too, because for years and years and years, all Tesla owners were Tesla fans. And that's not really the case anymore. And it seems like the media, uh, the mainstream media, is really having uh, a lot of fun out there uh, uh, knocking down Tesla because you just constantly hear uh, issues now. And it wasn't too long ago, maybe three, four, five years ago, that Tesla was considered one of the best cars ever made. Uh, any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, and a lot of this too, unfortunately, is, is is there's a lot of political backlash against Elon Musk himself, and it's a shame because we need to separate the car from the guy. He may have taken the company from point you know point B to point now, but but unfortunately, his politics is is coloring I think coverage of Tesla products, and that's a shame because they're still very good and very viable products, and now they're strangely affordable because he keeps cutting prices. Well, I made a mistake a little earlier. What I meant to say about the Aptera, it has a really low drag coefficient. <laughs> uh, and that's part of the reason they're able to get that high mileage projection. But as you mentioned, both those are startups. And as we know, there's lots of claims made about startups. And uh, once they actually hit the street, sometimes uh, things can be quite different. So along those lines, I'm hearing more reports that uh, Teslas and a lot of these EVs are not getting anywhere close to the uh, charge miles that they're they're projecting. It is weird that after, how long have we been dealing with Tesla now, since 2012, that now their mileage is being called into, into question. But but um, the problem seems to not be their claim so much as what's being reported on the dashboard for owners, and that's dangerous. So that is something that's being corrected. Also, the EPA numbers for Teslas have been dropped by 15 to 20%. Uh, recently. So that's interesting too. These numbers should better reflect real world driving. Additionally, Tesla owners tend to drive very fast on the highway. That's entirely anecdotal, but that'll cut into your mileage too. And again, just like solar, uh, wind energy, and geothermal, it may not work everywhere. And so you have to uh, be some, somewhat accommodating to it. Same with these EVs. They don't work everywhere like an internal combustion engine does. No, they don't. And and that's, I guess, unfortunate. There's some compromise to go into EV, but there are a lot of pluses too. Yeah, we have to give up some range. We know that. And obviously we're going to have to give up some winter convenience in the rust, uh, rust belt. <laughs> the, the, oh, sorry. The, the ice belt, the snow belt. That's what I meant to say. Tom, I think the cold's got both of our tongues because <laughs> we're having a little trouble today. So uh, anything else you'd like to add? There's a little thing going on there, too. Tesla has started slipping new battery technology into some of its newest products, and that's lithium iron phosphate batteries. Jury's out as to whether or not they were more affected by the cold, but that's entirely possible, and that could have added to this situation. Well, one thing I do want to ask you about, about a, in November, we heard nothing uh, in the auto industry but the Cybertruck. Now I hear nothing about the Cybertruck. Any updates? No, there's just a few videos of them performing poorly off-road, and, and the videos aren't very descriptive of what's actually happening, so it's hard to know what's going on. But they're going to be producing very few of them in the near future. They're going to be rolling them out very slowly, so we're not going to hear too much about those products. People will be getting test drives, like some of the bigger car magazines will probably be test driving vehicles that they borrow. Um, but other than that, there won't be a lot of news. And why have they slowed down production? Uh, they... They basically pulled ahead the launch just to hit a, a target date, but they weren't really ready to produce. They're not ready to mass produce, and it looks like they're still working on some of the smaller issues. So they'll be trickling out at a very slow rate for a while. Well, Tom, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. Stay warm, and thank you for the update. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Tom Appel, publisher of Consumer Guy Automotive with our Green Automotive News Update. I'm Robert Colangelo. Thank you for listening to Green Sense and check out the Green Sense Minute every Thursday and Saturday on 105.9 WBBM Chicago.
The Green Sun Show is brought to you by CEA Technology, a leader in building indoor growing systems that allow you to grow pesticide-free and conserve fertilizer, water, and energy to grow crops sustainably. Visit ceatech.com to learn more.